Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian and writer Dane Baptiste, and my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from philosophy to poetry to philanthropy to. To the question that you posed on Twitter the other day Do you like your orange juice with pulp or do you like it smooth? I like it smooth. I'm smooth, honestly. Pulp makes me feel like I've got to brush my teeth. Why am I chewing my, my beverages? This exactly, is how I feel. Exactly. If everything was like that, it would be horrible. I ha- Someone told me that they sometimes put like apple bits instead of orange bits in the juice. This sounds like madness. I mean, if you can put horse in the lasagna, it's not beyond <laughs> them to do so. This is how I yeah. feel. I just don't, myself personally, if I'm having like... It's like my, I'm quite conservative when it comes to like the whole thing of like juices and fruits. Mm. Like for example... If a berry's going in my juice, if I squeeze that berry and juice doesn't come out, it shouldn't be juiced. If it's juice, it should be smooth. I don't want you to go half the right? way. Don't go half the exactly, way. Because if you blend a fucking pepper, that's just puree. Thank you. Or a ketchup. Anyway, we ask all the questions. All the questions, the important questions, as you have heard. If you like the show, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or send me a message on social media. You're always welcome. Now, on today's show, our guest is an acclaimed poet and writer. At the age of six, he left the Democratic Republic of Congo to move to the UK. He's the writer of three collections of poetry and his first novel, No Place to Call Home. His next book, Mask Off, Masculinity Redefined, is available to buy in late 2019. Make sure you get that. It's the very human and very talented JJ Boller. Hello. Hello. And good, good. Should I specify the time now? Good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. Uh, a traditional. Buenos dias. Hey Tal, how's it going, JJ? It's going all right. It's going all right. It's going well, actually. Yeah, my hands are full, busy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's always good for, for an artist or creative. Always working, always creating. Where always do you working. stand on the orange juice? Oh, it's got to be smooth for me. Thank you. Smooth. Right. Just, yeah. Why am I having bits of my teeth? I'm not a baby. Right? Yeah. I don't like, if you were drinking tea, which is also a well-recognized breakfast beverage, and they were like, uh bag or open the bag and just drop the tea leaves in your face. you'd be like are you oh my goodness are you crazy yeah. even mm. the thought alone yeah you'd be <laughs> like are you crazy mm. are you crazy coffee you know when you get bits in your coffee it's like do you I'm want your coffee filtered or unfiltered well mm. i want you to filter the fucking <laughs> coffee clearly at some point right i mean i just Jesus. don't want to have to drink a drink juice with a sieve yeah it's just it's just weird it just doesn't make sense that's 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 a puree this is how i feel that's an orange puree mm. you're asking for I, ugh. i'm not sure anyone else has felt as passionately about this as you know dane you, you, you've gone online, you've got quite a lot of responses from the yeah. public. I mean, I just wanted to have it out there and it was almost as divisive as Brexit, which I guess we're now <laughs> calling Brexfast, <laughs> this particular referendum. I'm yeah. sorry about that one, JJ. But <laughs> <laughs> JJ just walked off the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's shocking. Threw down his microphone <laughs> in <Yeah>. disgust. <laughs> shocking. I, but I, I, I feel strongly about it. I guess I, I feel passionate about it. So mm. I feel like I express myself by these things. Not because I'm angry, but because of my conviction. I believe in what I'm saying. If someone was approaching me like, Dane, would you like to promote uh, orange juice with bits? I'd be like, I'll have to graciously decline. Really? And then they'd be like, 
we'll offer you a million pounds. I'd be like, fine, I'm going to spit out during every take. <laughs> we will have our prices. Right. Like, yeah, of course, you have to have your price. I was talking at work the other day about five guys. You've been to the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the, that quite recently? The never-ending chain. Like, literally, I made, mm. we, my neighbour's house is going to turn into a five guys, the way it's going. And uh, he was talking about having mushrooms in the burger. And I'm like, you lost me. You know, I don't want mushrooms in that burger. Oh, see, yeah. now I'm a fan of mushrooms. However, I've yeah. never tried it in a burger. So I'm tempted. I feel like, I, like I, feel like, but I feel like, again, like, like, structurally. Yeah, structurally, it doesn't make this sense. What I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, a grilled onion works perfectly in a burger. Of course. We, can all, of course, we, all, we, we all know, know that. Of course, You're an idiot. You probably have um, pulp in your orange juice if you don't know that. You, know? <laughs> you probably say stuff like, I don't like meat on the bone. Well, then... You don't like meat then. It's a big part of meat is the bone. Uh, I'm vegetarian and even I like meat on the bone. Right? Uh, like, that's how you know it's meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how you know it's meat. I'm going to say one thing about meat on the bone and then we're going to move on because we need a question. But is um, uh, it's not helping me. Uh, the bone being there isn't helping me eating the meat. That's the one thing I'd say against meat on the bone. I don't know. Mm. Because like the bone actually helps... The flavor to spread. This is why you have like. I'm not doubting that in the cooking right? process, Dane. I'm not talking about I'm the cooking wrong. process, mate. I'm not talking about the cooking oh, process. Well, I'm talking about my actual eating. Uh, the bone is in the way of the bit I want. But that's like having an unframed piece of art. It just wow. doesn't look as good. I can see why you're yeah. the poet. I wrote Ex- that previously. Excellently put. Actually, <laughs> excellently put. Um, let, let's have a question. We've done the done the preamble. It's nice preamble. audience. That's the preamble. Nice they preamble. Know. Nice yeah. poetic mm-hmm. preamble. We don't want it to go on too long because otherwise you wonder why we're here. But we're here to ask questions, aren't we, yeah. Dave? And if anyone needs to continue their line of questioning in the preamble, then find us online, get in touch, and we'll continue the conversation. At Question Everything Pod on pretty much everything, or DBQE Pod on uh, Instagram with the hashtag DBQE. Mm. So uh, now that that's all out of the way, uh, again, JJ, thank you so much for coming. Thank now, you for having me. The way the show works is the normal way is that as our very esteemed guests, uh, you are uh, welcome to ask any question you'd like, which we will then discuss. Mm-hmm. Then my producer friend, Howard Cohen, well known as the Hizzer, will ask a question as well. And then we will end our uh, episode with a question uh, from myself, which we all discuss. Everyone has a good time. Everybody go home or wherever you would choose to go because you are a free sentient human being of divine creation. <laughs> right. So, well said. So uh, my question is, do we need to change the way we see masculinity in the modern day? Mm. Mm. It's a big question. Mm. And relating to your next uh, publication, yeah, which we'll, talk, we'll hear a bit about later. Mm. But um, how did you, because you've been writing a lot about that subject, right? Yeah, and you know what? I consider myself someone who's relatively informed on masculinity, about mm-hmm. what's going on, quite in touch and stuff. But the stuff that I kind of discovered whilst writing it was absolutely mind blowing. Like the number of men who are having um, plastic surgery, for instance, wow. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. on their abs, mm-hmm. it doesn't on their surprise private me. areas. Oh, really? Yeah. It's astronomically high. Yeah. You know, so. Um, yeah. As in enhancements. Yeah. Yeah. And like younger men as well, like men in their 20s. Mm. You know, so. I mean, sometimes you haven't even finished growing yet. You know, so you know, you've got to give yourself a chance, but yeah, allow for some wear and tear, right? But you're an, you're an interesting example of someone who might, you know, kind of look at masculinity in the sense that I'm meeting you for the first time today. Mm-hmm. You're a fine, what well, I th- think we consider a fine specimen of man. Well, uh, thank you. I I appreciate. For the, I appreciate for those that. Of you who are listening to the podcast, uh, JJ Boller, while being a talented, creative, and sensitive man, able to articulate his emotions, also stands at about six three. Yeah, on a good day. On a good Enough day, stands at six three, and pretty much. The cliche tall, dark, and handsome. But height high, high is pretty much useless unless you're like an NBA basketball player. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> I, on the subject of masculinity, like I guess it's one of these things where uh, 
your definition of masculinity, there's a lot of, I guess, indicators. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I feel like there is a big narrative on how height pertains oh, to yeah. masculinity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because like I said, the uh, quintessential, like desirable man is supposed to be tall, dark and handsome. Mm. Uh, handsome. Mm-hmm. There's no like average height, dark and handsome. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I definitely feel like I don't f- fulfill certain elements of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And my wife, who we mentioned very regularly on this podcast. You may know I don't share a bed with her. Uh, I did learn of that yeah, recently. Yeah. Shout out T-Doll. <laughs> Everyone knows this, but at some point she's got to come on. Yeah. Someone mentioned the show. Yeah. You've got your wife on. I was like, my wife's an influencer now. She's like, she's, my wife's been named one of Mary Claire's future shapers. So she should, Tara. Congratulations, yeah, madam. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And yeah, we That's need to get stuff. on the podcast yeah, soon. at some point, but it will obviously be very abusive for me between the two of you. But, <laughs> but my point was going to be that, you know, DIY. Hmm. Like, I am not your guy for DIY. My wife, when I was courting her, said, oh, I need to put some things up in the wall. And I said, oh, I'll bring my drill round. And I brought it round. And it turned out it was an electric screwdriver. Because I, so, I know so little <laughs> about DIY. Yeah. And I could blame my heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jews aren't necessarily famous. <laughs> they got enough people blaming them, Howard. <laughs> no, but the Jews aren't famous for their DIY skills. There's a reason we're not voting Labour, you know what I mean? Oh, like, uh, okay. uh, like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're not famous. How many, how many Cohen and Sons builders do you see? Uh, you don't see a lot of, but didn't you build the Ark of the Covenant? Long time ago. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. But, 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 I, but I could blame my ethnicity, but it's not. It's, it's like, I can't fulfill that bit of masculinity. Can you do that? I'm not, I'm not good at DIY either, to be fair. But then when you brought up the point, because I was like, yeah, I'm terrible at DIY. Like, I remember once trying to put up wallpaper in my sister's uh, bedroom with my dad. Mm. And uh, I've never seen him that frustrated with me in my life. Like, yeah. I guess, I don't know. I think when you're creatively minded, you struggle with like very lateral and very repetitive yeah. tasks. I tend to struggle with them a lot. But then I think, even though that's supposed to be a defining characteristic of masculinity, like stuff like DIY, you think about something like the Sistine Chapel, right? Mm. Well, everyone knows who painted it. Right. And you probably would be aware who the architect is. But the people who actually did the bricks and mortar or the stone masonry to put it together, mm. that's the DIY that we don't really remember it. Mm. So really, do I mean, you, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, what things make you feel that you don't define or fulfill? It's kind of like, because that's what you're saying. If we have to change it, yeah. it's because men aren't yeah. ultimately fulfilling what they were expected of, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've got any that you don't. Uh, I would have... I guess I've always been somebody where I guess, but I guess when this narrative was kind of taking place and like throughout my life, people have accused me of being effeminate or... You've mentioned this before. Yeah, yeah. The so flowers, That's right? interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've like, gotten I've been, that I've been, bit as well. stuff, I've, been, I've been called effeminate and it was just because of the fact that if I just express dissent or something I don't like or try to articulate my emotions so someone's, you know, upset me or pissed me mm. off and I will explain to them what I don't like and a lot of time people... Well, I guess, well, men really, will we reduce it to me being like effeminate? And I think a lot of time is that because I guess historically people don't discuss their emotions or they don't want to have an emotional confrontation. Because mm. I guess even if you have an emotional outburst, that can be the, uh, that can precede a confrontation. Sometimes people will avoid that and say, oh, you're acting like a girl, stop moaning and blah, blah, blah. So I've had, yeah, yeah. So I've had that, that before. That phrase almost kind of embodies part of what you're getting at, yeah, right? which is that men are expected to not act like women. Yeah, and the flip yeah. side is constantly being told to man up, man up, man up. I remember my one of my old housemates, um, I was I had a ripped pair of jeans mm-hmm. and uh, luckily my, so my mother growing up used to sew and make dresses and stuff. I used to help her out. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty handy with a sewing machine. Cool. And uh, I remember my housemate coming into the flat and was like, Oh, what have you got needles and string for? You, you're going to start sewing and started laughing. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sewing, sewing my jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing something really practical. Exactly. Right. Saving me money. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's all, it's all very, and that's what I mean. It's all very paradoxical because like, 
masculinity, I guess it needs to change, but it's because we really need to have a lot more conversations about what we define as masculinity. Because mm. it's an interesting point where like, you know, your mom's a seamstress, so you've picked up a very good skill. Right. And for me, like, I feel like masculinity, a large part of it, and and I, I guess I describe it under the uh, umbrella of like adulthood mm. or being a man, I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Being a man is, is a, responsibility Absolutely. and be able to take care of yourself yeah. and if and, and sufficiency as well as and I feel like and and, and these are the connotations that people suggest like being a provider and stuff so my thing is like well if my wife or my partner wasn't around and my kid needed me to sew something up I'd want to be able to do that yeah yeah and then I find it quite paradoxical that people the same the same people who may like you know ridicule you for sewing and stuff like that are the same people that are first in line to the fashion house to right. buy clothing, you know, right. if you look at like, you know, like your uh, Virgil Abloh, mm -hmm. you know, or like even Kanye to an, to, mm. uh, to an extent. And uh, I mean, Karl Lagerfeld, like the list is long of where you have men who are the heads of fashion houses and or, you know, designing, creating haute couture. I mean, you can't do that if you're, if you're exactly. not au fait with like a, a needle and a thread or a sewing machine or been able to cut fabrics and have a knowledge of textiles. So... How could you expect to be a part of this world where everyone's... Because it's always this natural thing where it's like, oh, I want to get into entertainment and then get my own fashion mm, line. It's yeah. like, well, then how do you expect to do that if you're yeah. not having the knowledge of creativity yeah. and, and, I guess, entertaining the feminine? And I and I, and I feel, yeah. Well, it's interesting because mm. we've... In, and obviously, listeners, this is three men discussing mm. this. So, obviously, we would get a different perspective if we had any uh, any women in, in yeah, yeah. us. But one interesting thing is that we're picking up the bits that men kind of can't do that's what right. we're saying. Like, if we're going to redefine it, it's like, hey, we want to be able to do these things that we're not necessarily expected to do. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. actually, it's actually really, I suppose, if you're going to redefine it for a lot of people, it's to do with what you would remove. Mm, yeah. That's yeah. the bit, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, because yeah. I was watching the clip, which I know Dane will have seen, where Liverpool and Manchester City fans oh my gosh, were fighting on the train today. Yeah. And the thing about that clip that amazed me most is how shit they were at fighting. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 don't get me uh, wrong. Like it's disgusting to see them doing it, but they are awful. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And <laughs> made you kind of think, is this what being a bloke, you know what, sweetheart, I'm going out of football. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to really badly fight with someone for 20 minutes yeah. while we ruin fucking people's journeys. Well, own. well, there you go about again, comes back to the fact of masculinity, but then I guess, uh, so, I mean, it raises points about, like, I guess, culture and even to an extent privilege. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, sometimes this narrative where people are a lot more rutted and a lot more binary in their understanding of, like, the masculine and the feminine, that can be a, uh, I guess, a manifestation of cultural upbringing or, like, uh, social factors. Mm. So, for example, football is supposed to be quite, uh, mate, uh, alpha stuff. Like what, you don't watch football? Yeah, you don't watch football. But in yeah. Eastern Europe, they consider football to be like ballet. Mm. Oh really? Yeah, yeah sports in your Russia and stuff. Football is like, I mean, that's the equivalent of being a figure skater. Like, yeah. if you're men, masculine sports are like, you know, mixed martial arts and cage yeah, fighting yeah, yeah. and um, pancreation and sambo right, and all right. these. So, like, it's so it's quite interesting in terms of what we consider to be masculine in the first place. But the, the thing that interested me about your question mm. from you is obviously you've been looking at this. Do you does your idea of masculinity come from? Because obviously we mentioned your background, which has mm. been quite well documented. Yeah. And it kind of has elements of in your work. Do you feel like there's, like obviously there's such cultural differences internationally? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons why, like I, I was really interested in exploring masculinity. I mean, I, it eventually culminated in me writing this book, but I've always been curious about it. So in my Congolese culture, we are probably 
the most effeminate men that like you can have out there in the world. We're, in what sense? Like we're super self-conscious about the way we dress. Like every Congolese man. But they do it amazingly. Yeah, we do it amazingly. amazingly. That's the whole supper culture, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. which was popularized by the Guinness advert. Yes, you know, exactly. And everyone yeah, was yeah. like, whoa. And everyone was like, yeah, this is, this is normal. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, every Congolese man is very, very handy with an iron. Mm-hmm. Like I've not known a Congolese man who feels comfortable leaving the house without ironing their clothes. Thank like you. we have to have art. And also I remember like my dad raising us and just being like, no, the crease in the pants is wrong. Like take it back. Yeah, you have like, to put, hold, you have the, to put the, it up, the, the up against the seams then. Yeah, so, yeah. so it irons, irons properly. Yeah. And so all of that is, and, and the flamboyance and the colorfulness and all of that is just like we're seen as normal. And especially if you go into the dancing, well, you see I'm how saying these men waiting. Yeah, the, yeah, good you know, friend, good friend of Eddie Caddy. Shout yeah, out to Eddie Caddy right. as well. Yeah. Eddie Caddy, you know, yeah, he's very holding cool. it down. What's to do with the dancing? Oh, so you just have to, you have to be handy with your waist. Yeah, you have you to, know, yeah, you have to be, it's almost, you're almost, your Congolese male identity is almost removed if you can't dance with your waist. Now, yeah. I kind of had a gross but quite early on and I was a bit awkward with my movement and stuff and so I wasn't really much of a dancer growing up yeah. and so people just, my Congolese identity was brought into question a lot just because I couldn't really dance yeah, you need to man wow. up and learn and, and get your groove on right you know, so you see, man up and shake su- your waist such an interesting <laughs> point and see and you know I find it it's quite an interesting point as well because like when you juxtapose I guess that culture with Congolese history mm-hmm. you know for you know, even even for for men to I guess what I guess would be embrace what would be considered to be feminine and stuff like that. It's uh, it's interesting because I I don't know you couldn't really argue that Congolese men are effeminate because you know like I said historically, you know events that have taken place in in, in that right, region. Right. Yeah, yeah. You'd have yeah. to you you need a certain level of resolve, whether it's psychological and physical, to just su- the rigors to survive the rigors of existence around mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way where it's like. Um, I watched a documentary called uh, Bloods and Crips Made in America. And one of the documentarians was saying, when you go into these guys' houses, as you said, all of them have irons, all of them wash and take care of their clothes. They even have a coach where they, they uh, starch their jeans so hard that yeah. they can make them stand up by themselves after they've been ironed. Really because it's about how you're, it, you're being wow. refined. And I think potentially, and maybe a theory, it might be down to the fact that I think a lot of... Uh, the diaspora and its cultures, its yeah. subcultures, yeah. are uh, historically matriarchal. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. we right. come from a culture where the mum's the head of the household. Like, so for me, for myself, even for example, like, I was the first boy in my generation. So it's all, it all women before me. I got six aunts, so did my mum. They all got two daughters each. And again, a big part of, to them, in terms of when enforcing an idea of being a man and being, being an accomplished man is the fact that, you know, you need to be able to clean up after yourself. Mm. You need to, be able to take care of your clothes. I need to know to wash my clothes. Like I get my t-shirts dry clean sometimes. I get my, my jeans dry clean because your refinement of your appearance is a big yeah. part of, to, to, in my culture, is a big part of masculinity. Mm. Like if I'm not, yeah. if I'm not groomed a certain way, if I'm not clean and I've not showered and stuff, and you can ask anyone who knows me, I'm not. Le- I won't. I, lo- I won't leave my house if I if my appearance hasn't taken a certain level. Like I'm exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, the idea. I, the idea of. <laughs> I wish I never had to look at myself ever. <laughs> I'd happily go out. That's the thing. Like I said, it's and cult- it's not a superficial thing. No, like, you're not. It's no, not. It's, it's not vanity. Yeah. It's not like necessarily about your appearance, as in how you look or how others perceive you. Yeah, yeah. But it's just about like almost like how like perception of self. It's a ritual of self care. Yeah, yeah, It's a ritual yeah, of self care. Exactly, like, I keep exactly. myself clean and I respect myself and my hygiene. This is because a, it's a reflection of who I am, mm-hmm. and also it's a reflection of how I want people to view me. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. I'm in a relationship, for example, even though like I have a girlfriend and she might be like, "Oh, I didn't wear makeup today," blah blah. I don't care whether she or not she wears makeup, but it's my own. It's a it's a factor of my own self respect. Yeah. That if I am with you or we're going somewhere, yeah, I will at the very least have to be presentable. Yeah, yeah. Like you often sometimes see. Um, 
when uh, people on like uh, people on a date or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you see the the woman who's like dressed up to the nines, and then the guys in like tracksuits and, and, yeah, and yeah. jeans and stuff. And that always makes me feel uncomfortable because I know that mm. if that was me in that situation, like I've never been able to do that because I can just like imagine oh. my mom thinking you're an embarrassment. Yes. Like, Honestly, you know, yeah, my my it. wife. She basically will only ever wear dresses. Yeah. So she can look smart without putting much effort in. Mm-hmm. She's a natural beauty. So she doesn't really need makeup. So I will, <laughs> we will go out and I'll be like, oh gosh, I look fucking terrible next to this yeah. woman. Like, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, culturally for me, I don't really care. But this is the thing. It's just really like care. in different cultures, there's different things. So where, yeah. for instance, that part makes up like part of our culture, yeah, yeah. you know, there'll be another part where part of your culture that you mm. do that doesn't necessarily equate with mine, but that that forms a part of like the masculinity in your culture. You I would know? say and actually just, in some ways, not making any effort at all is, yeah, it's is right. considered like, well, he doesn't even need, I reckon one of the most amazing, me- I'm not going to name the person, but I went into this meeting when I was quite young in my career and I mm. met this person who's quite famous. Uh, and I didn't know it was them because they dressed like literally like they just got out of bed. Yeah. yeah. And he was a multi-millionaire. Wow. And I was like, huh, interesting. Mm, Maybe he, I don't need to be judged it. for... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah not share. at all. Yeah, that's it. And, I said, and, and like I said, this is not my only judgment is the fact that I feel like the grooming process is a reflection of me being able to take care of myself. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I don't know, for me, JJ, I've, especially over the journey of creativity with comedy and you know and speaking to other creatives within this industry i i feel like masculinity is something that can't really exist as a distinct thing well i i, I guess i, I have an understanding mm. of what it is but i think as a concept even just biologically i don't think that masculinity can exist mm. uh in isolation yeah yeah yeah. you have this is why we, we used to talk about a feminine we used to talk about a feminine side a lot of time as well and i think again a part of masculinity if you are someone who's logical and able to think logically and laterally you're aware that you have two hemispheres of your brain mm-hmm. and they can't really function without each other. And again, it's like, it's like even I'm reading the book, The Hagakure, where like, you know, samurais write haikus. They write poetry right. and stuff like that. So they write poetry, mm. they'll do flower arranging, origami, you know. So someone who can make a flower with a piece of paper but can also cut your head off with one stroke. So, you know, mm. yeah. there's no reason why a positive duality can't exist. So I think masculinity is... What it requires for change would be for the acknowledgement and the embrace of femininity mm. in order for it to prosper. And removal of some of the things that make a bunch of dickheads. Yeah, 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 it's a good idea to fight on a yeah, train. Exactly. That's that no, toxic masculinity Exactly, that's toxic masculinity because well. no, there can't be any unified theory for these things. Right. So, and yeah. somewhere in the middle will be a really good masculinity yeah. and maybe the world won't be a shit. I tell you, you it's mas- masculinity and femininity, the middle is humanity. Uh, very poetic. What a I'm question. Trying, trying. Thank, Thank you. you One of my favourite question. questions, particularly question. as I'm going to be really interested, to, and obviously we share with the listeners your book, which will, mm. uh, what, what's the name of the book again? It's Just called it? Mask Off, uh, Masculinity Redefined, and it's out uh, late 2019. Yeah, so, well, yeah. I mean, it'll, you, I'm sure your thoughts will be covered deeper in the book than in that that 15 minutes or so, <laughs> but it was, it was great to talk about that. I like, you know, really good. Good yeah. question, right? Yeah. I'm going to do a completely different question. Go for it. For my question, it's completely different. It's not silly, but who knows? You might take it there. <laughs> I, I, I'm really interested by because you know, uh, you you write in a book. You mm-hmm. know, that's an amazing thing. But you're kind of known for your for your poetry as much as anything. Yeah. My question is, in this country particularly, mm. why does poetry get such a hard time? You know, yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> because I, and, and I'm going to set it up with a little bit of extra detail, yeah. which is, what's the number one, Dane will answer this very quickly, what's the number one 
most popular form of music in this country at the moment? Oh, uh, it has to be. I'm sure you'd agree. Music derived from hip hop. Yeah, yeah. You can have yeah, a yeah. broader spectrum. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What is the number one element of that music? It's the fucking words. Yeah, and that is poetry. Yet somehow, poetry. When you say poetry, yeah, to someone who might buy a Stormzy record, they'll look at you like, "What are you talking about?" You know, what I think it is. It's the way that we're taught poetry in the education system. Yeah. So for such a long time, we're just drummed down with all these uh, Victorian poets and, yeah, you, get, you, you know... Get, you get chaucered up. And yeah, and that's and it. Chaucered up. And Blake up and John and Keats Blake up. And you know what? Like, I, I, I remember forcibly having to read John Keats for like GCSE and, and, and A-level. And then I, like, I didn't enjoy it when it was for assessment. And then when I read it for myself, I was just like... You know, John Keats and Dimion, for instance, uh, one of my favourite poems. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts with a thing of beauty is a, is a joy forever. Like, that's just bars, yeah, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. when I was reading it outside of the context of being assessed, I was just like, yo, this is just guy, he, he's in love. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's just in love. Like, yeah. he's expressing himself. Yeah. And that's it. And he saw this girl, he met this girl, and he just thought, wow, I'm going to write a poem. And it just turned out to be a massive epic, you know? And I think we are so removed from that kind of, like, real-life human context uh, of, of of poetry that by the time that we get to seeing I guess modern poets poets that are performing now we kind of get exhausted and then we have to fall in love with it all over again mm, yeah. if you compare that to for instance I went out to America in 2016 was performing out there big and scene, did some like big circuit massive listen when you have to wait one hour in a queue for a poetry gig yeah, you know look. people are passionate it's about it it's a good poetry. look a friend of mine for who I met I went to university in America and friend of mine, Douglas Piccinini. I've never got the chance to, what a great Italian-American name, Douglas Piccinini. But he's a poet who's toured the country, you know, mm-hmm. had moderate success. But that success, if you translated it to UK, it's impossible to replicate yeah, yeah. because the scene doesn't exist in well, the same yeah. way. Well, I, think, and it's, I think it's because it's exactly as JJ Baller says. It's like the, uh, I guess, the image of poetry mm. as, it, as it existed in the UK. People have become very rutted in it. Mm. And so, yeah, it's it's become archaic and even how it's relayed to, like, people that are interested. So it's like, mm. like I said, Chaucer, Keith, Shakespeare, and then, yeah, and then, yeah. And then, and then maybe, you know, like, if someone's very much in the know, they might know one too, like Philip Larkin mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And then, someone had I mean, to refer that to me as well. So, But it might be changing. <laughs> you know, it feels like it's got a chance. I mean, we had a previous guest on, George the Poet, who I'm yeah, sure yeah, we yeah. know. And, 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 and he's doing... I'd say some good things to yeah, help definitely. people appreciate an art form that they already do appreciate. They just don't know it. Mm. There's a thriving kind of, I want to say underground, but I don't think underground is the right word. It's probably more unrecognized scene. Yeah. You know, know yeah. Non-main, non-mainstream. non-mainstream scene. Yeah. There's a, yeah. There's no, I think, yeah. When I started doing comedy and did like a lot of mixed bills, you'd have a few spoken yeah. word artists and stuff. And I've met people like, oh, obviously George and Reese James, Reese James, who's a comedian James, who's done a fair bit. Uh, yeah. Sully Breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Salman Elwadani, someone I heard as well. Yeah. Uh, Lionheart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like I always find a lot of like... Akala would be someone who's done a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do you remember like Sean Mahoney? Sean Cody Mahoney, yeah. he was he used to do poetry as well. But the thing um, about that that's fascinating to me is, is, is that I can't... <laughs> so Nas, right, I'm, a, I'm a white Jewish man from Ilford, you know, <laughs> but like Nas to me was just like electric yeah and the music was it was great and I, i'm not taking anything away from the music but man come on it's his it's his verses right like yeah absolutely i think like nas one one of my favorite songs in terms of just like 
lyrics and poetry is it ain't hard to tell. Yeah. Hmm. Man, the opening verse to that, hmm. yeah. if people actually broke down like bar per bar, hmm. um, like meter per meter, all the all the words and the flow and everything, it's actually insane. Like the it's so poetic. And just to add on top of that, it's yeah. over a beat. And like one of the reasons why I love that mix between like hip hop and poetry is just there are so many songs. I always say it's for me, a song is a poem when you can print out the lyrics and just read it mm. for yeah. what it is. That's a good you point. Know? Yeah, I like, I like, and this is, I, I guess this is because I'm a massive Nas fan as well. And obviously, it ain't hard to tell, is the same level of poetry. Mm. My favorite song is, well, and it's my favorite song, but I think. It's one of the songs that Nas has that exemplifies his poet. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, aptitude is uh, Take It In Blood. Oh, I don't know that song. Yeah, that's from, that's that from the second album from It Was Written. And okay. the thing is, because it doesn't have a hook. Yeah. And so it's basically a stream of consciousness. Yeah. With a very kind of minimalistic beat. Yeah. Which is yeah, kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like a I lot love of uh, wind instruments. I love so songs without if you're, if you're, so if someone, if you're someone who's into spoken word and poetry, mm. that is the song to check out. Kendrick yeah. does that, right? Kendrick. Yeah, I was about yeah, to say, yeah. so you, you think about like a lot of the more prominent and successful uh, rappers, really, that's, I mean, they're obviously rapping and using the classical structure of 16 bars. And they're mixing it up. But, it's like you said, you can take it and lift it and it's just poetry on, uh, unto itself. Because uh, like, if you look at the song uh, Mad City by Kendrick, mm-hmm. at the mm. end, essentially it's just a stream of consciousness yeah. of poetry. He's yeah. talking and then it gets sped up. Then in um, oh, Nas is an example, Tupac, because um, Changes, and a lot of the lyrics in Changes, they, they also appear in the song uh, Heaven Got a Ghetto. Right. Because Tupac was historically a poet before yeah, he became yeah, yeah. a rapper. So he's yeah. just putting a beat under it. And really, when we look at rap and... I mean, or emceeing as the, mm. as a part of the five pillars. The precedent of this, a lot of people argue, is uh, the last poets and like yeah. Joe Scott Heron. Yeah, because um, even Kanye in my beautiful dark twisted fantasy at the end of the album is a poem called "Who Will Survive in America" by Joe Scott Heron. Right, mm. and uh, there's another song uh, that Fifty Cent has with P Diddy. Yeah, and the song is from a last poet's poem called uh, "Niggas Are Scared of Revolution." Oh wow! So when he says, "I love niggas because niggas are me," yeah, yeah this is yeah. from another poem, hmm. and, you know. And a lot of people credit the, the, like Joe Scott Heron and stuff with being the kind yeah, of yeah, progenitors of hip hop. Yeah, because yeah. essentially, because even East Coast hip hop essentially was like you know spoken word over jazz beats. But the links are obvious, right? The yeah, links are actually, the more you think about it, the more well, not just hip hop music is part of the reason that we have fallen out of love of poetry. Yeah, you know, I'm massive Bob Dylan fan and Bob Dylan's 
has many achievements over yeah. a ridiculously yeah. long career, but being the um, getting the Nobel Prize for Literature yeah, yeah, yeah. is one of the most mental things yeah, right. <laughs> ever. But actually, if you were to like, we're in a nice sized room here. If you would try and put all of the the great quotes from Dylan, yeah, like yeah, you would yeah. take from a poet on the walls here, you could fill it up five yeah, absolutely. times. Yeah. Or even like Jimi Hendrix, for instance. You listen to Jimi Hendrix music, mm. all right? And it's just like, it, it's incredibly poetic. Little yeah. Wing, for instance, mm. and all the imagery and just like the emotion. He and was for, really for me, psychedelic. And, yeah. Uh, that, that real and anything that makes you visual. feel, yeah. anything that makes you feel, like if you can emotionally connect with it, that's that's what poetry is. Whether it, it just depends yeah. on the form that it comes in, yeah. you know. But it's funny that that because of that success that popular music has had, yeah, because that's what we became obsessed with. Poetry fell apart as, as a kind of art form that people would recognise as, mm. as easily, mm. and therefore, uh, this is one of the questions I was going to ask you as part of this: is do you always tell everyone? Because some people, I assume, respond with like a, uh, yeah, it's a bit weird. With a comedy thing as well, when they go, tell us a joke. Yeah, oh my God. (laughs) That's literally it. And it's like, like, yeah, oh, you're a poet. Yeah, yeah, go on then. And And they want want the the limerick as well. Like right there and then. (laughs) (laughs) One day I went to Lidl. (laughs) Do you, do do people, because I I don't know, do people give you a hard time over it? Because like, or not, or like, or like, kind of, it's just like an eyebrow raise, right? Because I get in telly, it's an interesting thing. I've got one of those jobs where people are very happy to talk to you about it because everyone's got a really? fucking opinion on. Oh, everyone's got an opinion on television. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you seen that? You seen that? You should yeah. do. You should make a show like that, mate. Yeah. It's like nice, my mate. Thank you. I'll make a show like <laughs> who wants to be in there. Should I? Yeah, it's really fucking helpful that. But you know what I mean? Like people, that yeah. people always got opinions. Well, I get mixed um, kind of reactions, mm-hmm. so I get probably like one of two. Right? Either it's just or. Yeah, you're a poet. Oh my gosh, you're a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh wow, like, okay, we're just going to leave you. Uh, oh, you, you know, you went and you're, oh, you're just drinking water. Wow, that's because you want to connect with the, the essence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the essence of the, the world. We are 66% water. So, you know, you're connecting with you're yourself, like, you know, and that's I'm like, okay, just, I'm just a bit thirsty. Yeah, right. like, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? And then, and then you get the other side that's like, oh, oh, go on and prove it. Like, oh, prove it. And then they want to almost like show you like how much they know about poetry or even becomes a little bit competitive yeah you know and it's just it's just a bit and and also people think that you can't have fun like i I love to have fun do you know what i mean like whether it's a night out whatever it is just busting jokes with my mates when people see you do that they're just like whoa like yeah you're not supposed to be having fun aren't you going to be discussing to be morose and brooding yeah like all the time i'm like bro do you know how sad that is like like life's too short you know so poetry is largely motivated by love anyway which is supposed to be a positive emotion or feeling i guess so Mm. yeah and i love love man like i genuinely like i'm a romantic i love love and even when it if you look at like what's happening now with a lot of poetry scene it's like people write about love but it's just like oh it's one heartbreak after another after another and i was like what happened to just a, a good love poem Mm. That just made you feel good inside. Yeah. Can we get the during yeah. instead of just always the after? Yeah. Like, don't, don't let everything be a, uh, a retrospective. Exactly. I inconsistently write uh, poems to my wife around Valentine's Day, which is oh. also the day before her birthday. So I get the both at the same time, which is quite convenient financially cool. and emotionally. <laughs> uh, but, um, but, and you know, I, I'm not a poet, but yeah. you can, you can tell her, but why not? I can tell her. But, but why not? Exactly. But why, why not? not? Yeah, 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 exactly. A little bit of humor in there as well, obviously. Yeah. And you know, lovely. We should get with poems as well. I, I, I just, I just, yeah, there's nothing wrong with, uh, I've done, I've written poems. I've written like acrostic uh, poems, for people yeah. like with their names and stuff. Nice. And, and some has just been like streams of consciousness and spoken word and just media shoes and metaphor and stuff as well. I feel like I think it's a very good gesture that if you 
take somebody uh, or take, I guess, your uh, when you are uh, pondering somebody. Mm. And, you, and you're able to do that outside of the they've got a nice bum and nice boobs, or you find <laughs> or find it as as maybe a cryptic way as possible to say it. Yeah, mm. like I think that's good. You can play with it, and I, and I think it's all within the realm of all our capabilities. Because if you really love someone, you you're infatuated with somebody, you like somebody. Mm. The ways in which you will daydream and fantasize about your interactions with them. All you need to, I, I feel, poetry really is the act of just articulating that or making it tangible to them. And. Wouldn't it be a good way to address some of the problems with masculinity? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, <laughs> to link, it, link it back but, up. But the absolutely. thing is, again, like, you know, you think about like uh, soul and R&B music. Again, it's just like, you know, it's a way, finding, a poetic, it's finding the most poetic way of saying you want to have sex with Congress with somebody. <laughs> and, you know, and the better yeah. you are at doing it, then, mm. you know, the mm. more people will, the more, you know, for example, that R&B singer like Trey Songz, instead of saying like, I'm going to fuck you until you scream loud, it's just like, I bet the neighbours know my name. It's you know, a much yeah. more poetic yeah, way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, or, like, yeah. You know, where? I was actually thinking yeah. that those blokes that had that fight on that train, if they wrote poems you to know each what? other. I'm sure that would help, you know. <laughs> and to help, be fair, yeah. with a lot of, I mean, I worked a lot with like, I work, I work a lot still with kind of like teenagers, young boys, young men, etc. And I just get them to write poems and I buy all of them diaries and I'm just like, just express yourself, write poems, whatever. Because you know, there's always like, I feel like the teenagers, maybe like strongly between 13 to 17 is when you are at your most rageful, just yeah. angry at the oh, world. Sure. And you're not quite sure why. Yeah, right, yeah. but you walk around the streets and you're just you're just like in, you're just tense, you're full of angst, and angry yeah. and yeah. angsty, like, and there's no expression for that, you know. And even like, because I remember that's around the time I started getting into poetry, mm. um, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was just writing stuff down, and mm-hmm. no one had told me that. But actually, like years later, it made such a difference to who I am and who I became and how I process things, you know. So I think, yeah, wow. every everyone should do it. Everyone, everyone should do it. I I completely agree. I think uh, whether any form of artistic expression is really the way we define our humanity mm-hmm. because everything else you can do like and everything else you can have is essentially quite transient yeah like you can have money or you can have cars and stuff and i mean your body but like how you're able to resonate and imprint on other human beings as a social species that's really what's going to outlast uh the physical and i guess one of the defining characteristics of being a human being is the fact that we consider the spiritual yeah as mm-hmm. opposed to just like the physical and the biological so However you can uh, engage with that or express it, then it's probably better for your mental well-being. It's a beautiful explanation so, yeah, res- to this question. So respect poetry, guys, because respect that's the what... Poets. Gang- even the most gangster rapper is a poet. Honestly. I'd, basically, so... Your you favourite rapper's, uh, rapper's artist is probably a poet. Exactly. And some of, the, some of your favourite gangsters are poets as well. Bumpy yeah. Johnson was a poet. Mm-hmm. He used to write poetry. Mm-hmm. I reckon... In this next few years, we'll see a resurgence. Yeah, yeah, me too. Looking forward to it. You know. Well, uh, that was that was exactly what I hoped it would be, which is a thoroughly engaging conversation about poetry, which you don't get very often. You get it on this podcast, though, don't you, Dave? You do. Yes, you do. Go from mass question everything, question everything. That's the plan. Um, well, over to you, Dane. It's your turn. Cool. So I feel like we've. My question kind of uh, pertains to both of these questions. We've had discussions about masculinity mm-hmm. and we've discussed poetry. Uh, so, uh, as I was saying before, I feel like being able to have the uh, privilege of being involved in the creative industry has allowed me, has opened the door to me to be able to entertain emotion and, and you know, uh, I guess, you know, as I said, the feminine aspects are part of my, of my being and stuff as well. And understanding other people and basically, I guess, empathy. Mm-hmm. And being able to do that. I feel this began when I decided I wanted to actually give comedy a try in earnest. 
And that happened after like my first major breakup. Mm-hmm. And I say that, and I know you think I'm going, but to me, it's one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. So I said to say this as a poet, mm. what would you say the best thing is about heartbreak? Oh man, love a good what heartbreak. What is the best thing oh, about man. heartbreak? Oh, love a good heartbreak. You know, I've not had a good heartbreak for a little while now. When, when, you know? and have, you had, have you had many? I've had, I've had two very strong heartbreaks, man. Mm. Two heartbreaks that, you know, like recovering from them. Yeah. Took a little journey, man. A little yeah. discovery of self. Are we talking romantic here? Romantic heartbreaks, cool, yeah. Because yeah. other heartbreaks, because there, there are yeah, other types, there are other types there are of heartbreaks. Types, and that's, yeah. a, that's a bigger, uh, that's we're a, yeah, romantic yeah, let's talk romantic because yeah. like general life heartbreaks are, are mindful of them. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's what uh, Woody Allen, who we still can reference until the charges are proven <laughs> to be. Uh, At time of recording. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he would talk about the terror. Life is full of two things, the terrible and the horrible. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, you know, the horrible we believe, but the terrible, mm. like heartbreak. I mean, I think I always, it killed me. I could, yeah. I, I mean, just like I could suck that shit up for months. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, I remember the perceived heartbreak that got me into, into, into writing, mm. you know, and that paled in comparison to the actual heartbreaks I experienced yeah, years yeah. later, oh, do you know, but it, what happened with each heartbreak is, or at least what heartbreaks generally allow you, allow you to do is it allows you to feel so deeply and empathically beyond what you do in your day to day. And so like generally, and also generally as men, like we kind of like hold back a lot of our emotions, you know, oh, we massively. try and like be logical about it. Yeah. If you meet, if you meet someone, if you meet a partner, et cetera, it's the early stages, you want to say, I love you, but you're like, oh no, it's too soon. It's too soon. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, hold that back. Hold that back. No, they've got to say it first. So you try and negotiate all of these things that still yeah, like, don't want to get guessed. Yeah. Guess. yeah. I like her, but I don't want to guess her up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I think if she's too nice, <laughs> it's got to be at least give it a couple months till she's met all the men and mumsy and that, and then maybe. Right. Like... But then when you when you go past all of that, and then you realize how deep you are in, and then you know you start making plans. Mm. Oh man, oh, when you well, plan you know with this trouble. person, if you're in trouble, and then yeah. when all that falls apart, especially when it's unexpected, oh, man, yeah. those two major ones were like unexpected i That's did not see kind. those coming at yeah, all yeah, yeah. i won't say which ones they were because they'll get gassed if they hear this and then they'll be like oh you're still talking and for about playing me y'all shall forever right. remain nameless you know but you know <laughs> we're doing well now so you're the one who's missing out yeah anyway <laughs> but most of all most of all which i know you mean what you're missing out on is a pure love that i had offered you honestly that's that's the because i feel like it's a good point when you say like you know men uh we lack a lot of the emotional intelligence to deal with something mm-hmm, like heartbreak mm-hmm. how we should and i uh and, I, and you know, and when you deal with any kind of trauma, then I guess it, naturally human beings, like we have a process and that pathology normally includes like rationalizing. Yeah. And, and then, you know, coping with loss, you have the states of like denial and anger and bargaining acceptance. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, like I said before, I'd be like, well, she don't know how he's to treat her well and blah, 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 blah. But really, I think, and I guess, and this is, and I, I, and I hope it's always like a consolation for anyone who's experienced heartbreak is that like, if you know what that feeling that you had for somebody was benevolent, yeah, really the heartbreak is that part of part of yourself which you are giving to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. you don't receive, if you're not reciprocated, yeah, then there is a loss, and you feel a physical, yeah. like physical yeah, loss yeah, because yeah. you've given it's a, a bereavement. Part, man. Yeah, it's, it's a bereavement. It's a better yeah. part of yourself you've given to somebody which they yeah. rejected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I say that say this because it's like rather than being like, oh, she never know how good I was in bed and blah blah blah. It's like I had something pure for you, yeah, which you don't want. Yeah. Whether whether I know you or not, for anyone to have to be deprived of love mm-hmm. is a shame. Yeah, absolutely. But I definitely think there's a kind of uh, different 
types of things. I'm thinking in the, in the two that you're referring to, Jamie, mm. I imagine deeply emotional mm. and, 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 and there was probably a, you're probably way part, way past the physical element being mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. kind of like intangible item mm. because there is definitely a version of this heartbreak or what people mm. would call heartbreak. that is unrequited love mm-hmm. and not achieving the uh, yeah, physical yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. taps into masculinity yeah i can yeah. think back well, over sometimes, my sometimes even a verbal when it comes to unrequired love well, maybe yeah love, but someone could just be like yeah. I got, I got, i'm with somebody else or i mean personally i'll say way. it was physical but you know <laughs> uh, the, if i go back over my glittering career of including many failures uh you know i could pinpoint a couple of bits where i was like huh mm. i was really really emotionally fucked over by that but actually I think I just really fancied that person yeah, yeah, yeah. and didn't, you didn't get it back. Yeah. Didn't get it back. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And that hurts. Mm. However, the thing that I think you're talking about mm. is going on an mo- emotional journey with someone, yeah, yeah. falling in love for one of a yeah. better term. And then basically going, ah, that didn't have the happy ending. Right. So it could be either people's, either mm-hmm, sides mm-hmm. or just, or just didn't mm-hmm. work out. Mm-hmm. Both people. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a painful bit. Yeah. And it's just that. Uh, and the thing is, it's just that not working out. Mm. so at least for my situation if it was like oh yeah that person had cheated or whatever it's like yeah okay that makes sense there's mm-hmm. a logical reason as to why this can no longer continue correct, correct. but it was just uh, just like life just happened you know just and circumstantial that's, that's and you're the just hardest like, one yeah right because it's completely beyond your control then you can't rationalize it right and you both still have love yeah or you're both you know i guess because it's just circumstantial, right? You've both known each other at your most vulnerable states. Mm-hmm. You've been so deeply intimate and non-sexual intimate. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, people don't talk it's about the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like that deepness, intimacy. that profoundness. And then all of a sudden, you still have those feelings, but that person is not there to be the reciprocant of that feeling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then, because you have no outlet, you're just like, okay, I have to somehow kill off these feelings like because i just can't continue like this yeah. it's being in love it sounds like an insane like, so idea it is, yeah. yeah and it is insane do you know what one of the things someone said to me uh, so a comedian a uh, friend of the podcast uh bobby mayer ah uh, we're gonna get bobby on at some point yeah because he said cause i was talking to him about a uh, breakup and he said one of the hardest part is is when you have to kill your unborn children mm. and that shit mm. i was like yeah yeah when you because you know, you're because you make plans you're, you make, you're you there make pla- you make plans you know now your best laid plans are, just, are, are gone now no. and um yeah he said that's one of the hardest parts man but like i say that say this because even though like it's it's a it's a somber topic the best part about heartbreak like for myself i fucking had more respect for love yeah i had to learn some res- to respect this shit a lot more mm-hmm. and like you know people say god is love mm-hmm. so i appreciate that maybe there is a vanity with human beings and when they experience it believing that they're able to harness it and my love and this is mm-hmm. my love mm-hmm. that i have and i give you love you're talking about if you're equating it to God, mm. who the fuck are you that you're able to harness this? Yeah, yeah, seven yeah, million, yeah. Billion, seven billion people on this planet. Many have millions have died before you, mm-hmm. and so, like, I feel like again, as a great poet once said, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even to even to be able to experience probably one of the most, uh, I guess, high risk and high reward ex- human Ooh, experiences yeah. on your time on Earth. Sometimes you just have to be like, I'm just happy that I was able to be one of the people on this planet yeah. to say that I had experienced love. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some people don't have that. Mm. Well, that, that's what's interesting about when you know, you kind of, you say, what do you take from it? What yeah. you, uh, definitely for me, I mean, definitely for me, uh, my first proper girlfriend mm-hmm. and the breakup that happened there. Yeah. And I was a late 
mean Dane this won't surprise me too. at all. No, I, me was, too. I was kind of 24 when I had my first proper I, girlfriend. I was a late bloomer too, you know. I think I was I think I was 25 podcast called Late Bloomers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that could work, you know. But, you know, I was 24 and it was a two-year relationship. And um, she, you know, I, I, I mean, she's never listening to this podcast, so I'm, I'm fine to talk about yeah. it. Be surprised. <laughs> well, listen, if she wants to get back in contact, I'm married. So you've got no <laughs> Too hope. late. Yeah, no hope. I've got a great wife yeah. and a great cat. Exactly. Thank you, Prim. I hope you are. I've got some sensational uh, pussy in my life and a wonderful wife. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. <laughs> She'd, she'd be happy with that. In fact, she quite liked cats, but that's, uh, she was a long time ago. You know, it's a long time ago since I thought about this girl. And, and the thing was, she met her at uni and we never, never kind of got together. And then after uni, at some point she came and met me and you just knew it was there. Mm. And, it, and I didn't move on it that night, but then we, she moved over here for me. Mm. And we had oh, wow. two years together and she knew nobody here really. I helped her get a job. Uh, it didn't really go that well. Mm. Uh, she wasn't finding it very easy to work with the people there. Was, you know, she, 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 she wasn't an easy character, yeah. but the the love that we shared, because for me, it was the first time I'd put it this way. It's the first time I'd had someone to do nothing with. Yes. yes. That, and you know, I, the, at that time enjoyed a toke. So, you know, we watched the whole of uh, the, uh, she bought all the box sets of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, all, eight, <laughs> all eight series. And at that time I was buying Dylan albums. I was got really into Dylan because of her. Yeah. And I bought, I bought up, we listened to a new Dylan album every week. Smoke weed, eat pizza, and watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> and that was love, man. man that's that's what everybody wants. Yeah. It's what everyone wants. I had a, another friend told me this story as well, like mm. where, um, and I, I always try and stay, explain this to girlfriends as well, right? And just to or people that are close to me. And so this is for listeners, right? Is that like because this is what I feel like everyone's striving for when they're in their pursuit of love. So in the story, and I'm paraphrasing, so I might get this wrong, but he's saying that basically, one day Winnie the Pooh is looking for Christopher Robin. And can't find Christopher Robin mm-hmm. So Tigger shows up And is like What's wrong Winnie the Pooh And Winnie's like I'm sad because I can't find Christopher Robin And I like to play And mm-hmm. Tigger's like Oh don't worry I know Christopher Robin's not here But I can be here with you We can run and jump And play and have fun All day long And Winnie the Pooh says The best thing about Being Christopher Robin Is that we can just sit there And do nothing mm. Cool as fuck and that's, man, yeah. yeah And that's what I'm saying It's like you know What you're describing it. Is the coexistence mm, That's it It's a powerful thing And, and, and is that what you think I mean, what did, in terms of, the, it did inspire your poetry, I assume. Those, yeah, those, I mean, absolutely. But it was just, I think what also it allowed is that emotional connection with yourself. Exactly. You know, and that's why often you'll see a lot of artists will say, oh, um, when they when they are in love or emotional situations or they go through heartbreak, you know, there's all, almost like that stigma of like going through a heartbreak, oh, another great album's coming out, yeah. you know. But it's just that it, it's a vehicle to allow you to connect deeply with yourself. And at any point you can do that and you're an artist, it just allows you to to creatively express, you know. So you go, 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 look at the, go, go look at the hole, right? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. examining the hole. It's excavation, yeah. yeah there's, exactly, there's a hole left in the yeah, yeah. You know, it's been, a, it's been a couple of years. Um, so I've been single for, for, for a little bit, but just kind of been focused on my work. That's right, light and, and, and <laughs> <laughs> But like, it's like, oh, lately I've been saying, you know what? I haven't had a good like breakup. And I haven't had a good like emotional, proper mm. emotional love journey, yeah. you know? And I'm just like, I'm thinking, how would that influence my work now? Mm. You know, would that allow me to, because I've been like creating work quite consistently over the last yeah. two years. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, would it take it to another level? Well, yeah. that's that's where poetry and comedy coexist because uh, it, yeah. a lot of people have really awful, heartbreaking moments in their life and go, "Great, I've got Edinburgh show." Comedy, it's, it's tragedy <laughs> plus timing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's tragedy plus timing. Um, I, I wanted to say uh, 
because like I said about some of the best things about heartbreak as well is that like uh, yeah it's it, it you have to start doing more quantity surveying of yourself mm-hmm. I think that's one of the good things if you are paying attention to it is taking stock of yourself yeah mm-hmm. and I felt and I, again peace, speaking from personal experience the best thing is that I had to reflect on that loss of love mm-hmm. and that led me on a journey where I had to create a state of self love mm-hmm. and you do that because you know if love if God is love or love is an energy we're not able to define along normal lines of matter. Mm. It's like, you know, this is self-love. That's self-sustaining. Mm-hmm, yeah. and, and you think about it as like a light. That's like mm-hmm. a light within yourself. Mm-hmm. Where you're, you know, I guess it's the uh, manifestation of the better parts of you, mm-hmm. right? That light is within you. When you are in love with somebody else or you're falling in love with somebody else, you are giving a part of that light to someone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The more you work on this self-sustaining light, the less it's going to be diminished when you give it to other people yeah. because you know it's high risk, and every time you risk, you risk putting yourself out there yeah. and being lost. But and some people don't want to take that risk, and mm-hmm. they'll they'll go for something inferior or they'll mm-hmm. go for a situation that doesn't lend to their self love yeah. because the risk is a lot lower. But I'd say yeah, the best thing is learning to have that self love and have that self sustaining. That will allow you to define standards for yourself and mm-hmm. what you consider love and love yourself is because then you know you recognize it. When you see it from somebody yeah. else, because we're yeah. social supposed to be imprint, you'll you'll, yeah. you'll you'll notice it when, and you'll know what it is when someone loves you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think yeah, the best thing about like for me was heartbreak was like, you know, losing love, and you know, I think if you don't respect something, then you can you can lose it. Whereas, yeah, and now yeah, I've definitely. had the uh, benefit of discovering self love and also love for something, uh, an extension of that being you know creativity and mm. making things where like yeah. I love doing comedy. And at least this is something, you know, this is something that doesn't depend on someone else mm. and can't be taken away from me. Yeah. And yeah. so just to finish another analogy, if you don't mind, mm. is that a guy was like, you think about your, I guess your love, your heart being, being, think about yourself being a table, right? And mm. love is like the legs under this table. Mm. And if more people come along with, there's more legs under the table, mm. which is great because this makes it more stable. However, if you don't have enough legs under the table, and people move their legs away, your table will topple. So yes. that's been it's been a lot of metaphors today, but we're in a piece <laughs> <laughs> of poetic one. royalty. So, yeah, so yeah. it's a beautiful one, and yeah. and and you know, I think we've we've looked at that subject in such a perfect way. That's really inspiring, guys. Yeah, I have yeah, to say, yeah. like, I, I, really wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. No, I never like, It's a good one, Dane. You've you've nailed that question. It's interesting because I think there's other people who might have come on the podcast who I would have expected yeah. maybe to bring stuff. Like we had um, Aloni, do you remember? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really oh, gosh. Yeah, she's, her stories, uh, man. But, yeah, like, yeah. You, would, you would ask her a question like that yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. kind of what you're, yeah. she's expected. So to have the three of us talk about it. Uh, just three men, just three blokes. Probably have to watch some football now. Uh, forget about all these emotions have to go and shit. Yeah. And scratch ourselves. People be crying and hugging in football all the time, yeah. man. Yeah. Singing, oh, singing, know, singing in harmonies on the stands, crying so, and praying. Yeah. I was at Glastonbury when Adele headlined, right? Yeah. And she opened with "Hello." And uh, I was there as well. That's two years ago, right? Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it rained. It rained ridiculously. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, oh my gosh, JJ! Was in the same crowd. Uh, I was to the right though. Where was for you? To the left, soaking. Oh man. Uh. Well, so where I was, like, I didn't really know anyone, and then like I made friends with some guy, and there was just a bunch of guys like all around us, and we was all just like singing hello and just hugging each other and just and after there's a little bit of a break <laughs> and we all just started talking about our breakups and like relationships wow. what we went through whatever whatever just like some Man, emotional Adele, Adele would be a good one to ask that question to yeah, you know, sure. and it makes a good point because you know you look at Adele like mm. for all of the advancements in music and the change in music and the aesthetic of it Adele and how well she sells 
reflects the fact that people still want mm-hmm. to hear about heartbreak mm-hmm. and how they can manage mm-hmm. it. So absolutely. I've got to say before we before we wrap up, there's a there's a a thing the NPR do the mini disc mini desk thing or little desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. Adele's yes, I've one. Seen it. Yeah, yeah. Adele, if you if anyone ever has ever questioned how good Adele is at singing, watch that yeah, little she's desk. Phenomenal. She, because the thing that's so funny about that performance is she's talking like you are. Yeah, <laughs> you got enough to say. You want a drink? That's And then she just belts it out. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, what a pleasure it's been to have you on Thank the podcast. You so much, Thank you so much. That was amazing. Uh, JJ, thanks again for coming. Uh, please uh, let the uh, listeners know where they can find you, and not just dating sex with your toe. We know he's there. Well. Um, I'm all over the social medias, uh, JJ Bolar on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and JJBolar.com as well. And you've got a lovely book coming out, which we're going to mention it again just yes. in case people forgot. Uh, it's out in all good bookshops late September, Mask Off, Masculine Redefined. And um, yeah, and also get the first novel as well, No Place to Call Home. Yeah. So check it out, fun. guys. Uh, show some love and experience uh, yeah. some love. Try, yeah, try and find it. some commonalities, man. Write, write some poems. Yeah, write some poems, man. Write and, some poems. Redefine your masculinity. Yeah. yeah, redefine your masculinity, write some poems, and love yourself is JJ Boller's very what positive, loving message. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, man. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him at DaneBatTweets. Our guest was JJ Bowler. You can follow JJ on Twitter at JJ underscore Bowler. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at the Howard Cohen. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Hey, if you like what you've been listening to, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Thanks for listening. And remember, question everything. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.